0: This is Bigger Questions with your host, Robert Martin. Welcome to Bigger Questions. Today's big question Is Jesus boring? We're asking today's big question to Andrew Palau. Andrew is the son of the late international evangelist Louis Palau and works with the Louis Palau Association where he coordinates worldwide outreach events. He's a popular author and speaker, and he joins me now, Andrew. Welcome to Bigger Questions.
1: Thanks, Rob. Good to be with you, man.
0: Now, Andrew, just to clarify, you don't have anything much to do with the Western Pacific island country, Palau, do you, by any chance?
1: I wish we had at least one of those many thousands of islands that are out there in that little uh, group of islands. But no, Palau is a name that comes from Spain. It's an ancient dialect. Palau means palace. If you remember the Olympics when there were many years ago in Spain... Many of the uh, venues were called the Palau de Saint George, the Palau de This or right, That okay. Palace, in an old dialect unused these days.
0: Okay, so your house is the Palau Palace, then I suppose, isn't it? Big time! You should see it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, have you ever been to Palau?
1: My my father was in Palau and did a uh, you know a mission in the republic there, and it was very fruitful. And the, he asked for an island, and they stoutly refused. Right. Okay. <laughs> but you have the stadium
0: for a week. You, you could ask, you could ask, I yeah, suppose. There's nothing wrong asking, with asking. Right? There's no that's right. Now you actually now work for the organization which bears the name of your late father, mm. Lewis Palau Association. So how does that feel to work with the organization that bears your father's name?
1: I love it. I feel so grateful. I'm uh Dad went to be with the Lord, as we would say. He died in March and um he finished very strong, and he just set such a tremendous example in life and in the end of his life and in his faith and the place he was going, it really uh, meant the world to us all and uh, he was the real deal, you know the authenticity of his life, the way he lived it, him and mom, the kindness to me over the many years, and to so many others. I just saw that, and so to have worked with him now for twenty seven years uh, it, it's been a great, great
0: time. Mm. Well, you did mention that your, your father did pass away early this year in March, and we're very sorry for your loss. Um, but maybe can you tell us a bit more about his life and his legacy, perhaps?
1: Yes, Dad uh, was born and raised in Argentina. His father came from Spain, his father's family. They were in Buenos Aires, Argentina, a little town outside of the big capital city there growing up. They were sort of middle class. I mean, upper middle class at the time. My grandfather, who I never met, um he had a little like a little construction business you know like mm-hmm. with a truck and they built cinder blocks and then built the blocks into homes and developed a quite a nice business and they were doing well uh my father um uh, saw his father die when he was 10. Mm-hmm. so when my dad was a boy his father passed away but his father had recently sort of uh, for about a 10 year period from the time my father was born until Uh, He died 10 years later. uh, My grandfather was um, really involved in Christian ministry. He got radically saved, if you want to put it that way, through Mm -hmm. some Welsh missionaries that came from uh, Cardiff area down to Buenos Aires. There was not a lot of uh, Christian witness down in that time. And um, for the 10 years he lived after that time, he went with this uh, vice president of Esso to 10 little towns all around the Buenos Aires area. They would preach on the street corner, get ridiculed and bothered. They would win a few people to Christ. They would plant little church congregations. It was brethren, uh, brethren missionaries uh, doing the work at the time, and they planted those ten churches. So my father saw all this, and then he saw his father die. And when he died, he tells the story him and his sisters uh, of Grandpa clapping his hands singing a song about heaven. And he said, quoting the Apostle Paul, I'm going to be with Jesus, which is better by far. And he went off to be with the Lord. That really impressed my father. And it set a vision in his heart that this is what really matters. And about the finality of death, you know, he said, wow, this is for real.
0: That's a confronting thing for a 10-year-old to kind of encounter, I suppose. Yeah, Dad always said the one
1: thing that really impressed me for having my father die at 10 was the finality of death, you know, that when people are gone in this world, they're gone. And he just said to himself, I want everyone to be ready in that way. And God put this idea and this vision in his mind to impact the cities of this world, which seems so unlikely, incredibly unlikely that a, not orphan. I mean, he had his grandma, my grandma, but five sisters and another little brother, and he was the oldest trying to raise them and he was the sole breadwinner uh working at the bank of london in buenos aires and and the idea that he would go and make such an impact um it just seemed ridiculous but he held to this vision and this idea that he felt was from god and and just did the simple things you know he trusted the word of god for what it was he took it at face value and um loved it so the word of god was very important in his life and he just did the simple thing, trust and obey. He trusted the Word of God. He obeyed what he felt. He saw in there, and he pursued this vision to uh, reach the masses, you know. He loved people.
0: Yeah. Well, on that, he said that the real commitment of his life was to win people to Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. and he claimed that there is nothing greater in the whole (laughs) world. But why is this? Is there really nothing greater in the whole world than to bring people to know Jesus?
1: well i i guess for me personally i'd say you know i grew up with dad i love dad yeah i was his son and he was great him and my mom but you know the greatest thing that ever happened to me was not that i was born into Luis palau's family and that he was a great father the greatest thing that happened to me in my life was the day at the age of 27 that my father of course the jokes on me preaching in a big stadium in kingston jamaica yeah I was there, 27, so far away from God. I had always rejected God and Jesus Christ and the claims of the Bible, not in an angry, angry, stereotypical, rebel, rebellious way. I was rebellious, but in a little bit of a different manner. But I, I rejected the things of God, and and uh, it was there, there, though, on that day, after so many years involved with alcohol and drugs and all the relationships that go along with that partying lifestyle. And, you know, I, I could go on about that, but— in the place that I had found myself, even though I had a great mask to say to the world, everything's fine with Andrew. And outwardly, I think you'd say, he's fine, leave him alone, right? He's got, he's fine, but I wasn't fine. In my heart, I was in this darkness, really. I was moving into this pit of despair and loneliness and fearfulness and lack of hopefulness. And I would have never let you know that, but in my heart, I knew it was true. And there's dad preaching the good news from the word of God, About Jesus Christ and the cross and its work and and it really captured my heart and it was a radical moment of conversion and transformation that really just changed my life in the most wonderful way and so I would say yes in my situation his sharing the good news was the most glorious wonderful thing he could have ever done for me and uh, I'm grateful and and he experienced that like being involved in sharing that message and um, living it and experiencing it personally, as well as, you know, sharing this good news that we found with others. It it really is what the Bible describes it as living life following in the way of Jesus, um, is, is called the abundant life. And he tries Mm -hmm. to describe it in so many ways, the abundant life, a life worth living, you know, and, uh, he says, ask for the ancient path, ask where the good way is and walk Mm -hmm. in it and you will find rest for your souls.
0: But many in our world think that this message is just boring and just a bit irrelevant. And so why, why do you think people think it's boring though?
1: Well, maybe it is a little boring. You want to live a wildlife. I was there. It was fantastic. It was crazy. I was the wildest. No, nothing boring about it, but despairing. Yes. Oh, horrifying, dark, dark days. You know, the world, my dad used to always tell me you know, the passages that, uh, and I get moved when I think of people curious and wondering and, Letting these kinds of ideas bog them down from coming to know Jesus, to, to, to cry out to him and say, if you're real, I want to know if feeling like your life is too boring would keep you from that. Oh, that breaks my heart because, you know, I lived it up. You know, the world mm-hmm. called to me and said, live it up. Don't be a boring. And I said, I don't want to be boring. I'm going to live it up. But my dad would always share with me these truths from the Bible that just reveal what life is really like so truly. Uh, The one passage says, uh, you know, there's a way that looks right to a person, but in the end, it leads to death. And that was me. You know, I didn't chase off after these things thinking to myself, you know, what I really want to do with my life is destroy it. That's my plan. No, Mm. I looked down these ways that people said, come on, let's go, let's go. And they seemed right to me. You know and i but i I should have known better i really had cautions and checks you
0: know so what what happened then because you were the son of a famous evangelist Um, was there their pressure then for you to accept this message and then say, but you seem to go kind of the opposite direction so so what was going on there
1: some people would say to me like i know why you had such a rebellious background is because your parents tried to shove their religion down your throat and you resisted it and it's like i i hear that i don't want to negate anyone else's experience because people have experienced terrible hypocrisies and and even well-meaning people shoving their religion down their throat not the worst thing that could happen to you by the way but uh i i didn't feel that you know my parents were so kind to me they really lived this authentic lifestyle they proclaimed and shared and urged people to believe But they also knew Dad had this message that he preached a lot, and the title was, God has no grandchildren. Those words aren't in the Bible, but the principle is that truly every single individual needs to personally respond to the gift of God that is offered uh, in Jesus' name. And so Dad knew that, and then he had to live it out in my life. You know, As much as he would have wanted to say, like, hey, this guy gets a pass, he's Luis Palau's son. Luis Palau's been faithful and mom and dad were not perfect, but they were transformed and they were experiencing this this transformed life. And they recommended it. They gave me those opportunities. And I just rejected it because I love to party. I wish I had some great excuse. I was without excuse. And the Bible, by the way, says we are all without excuse, but me more than any, because I had every blessing in this world. But I just, I just, had these insecurities and this, I just love to party. I don't know what else to tell you, you know, and, <laughs> and, and, I thought so what was it to- was, it because yeah.
0: you found this kind of, this message that you'd been grown up with, was it just so familiar that it just seemed like, well, these party lifestyle offers me a bit more fun and excitement than this kind of boring sort of safe, traditional way of the Bible.
1: Yeah, I'd say it's probably just as simple as that. I wish it, again, you wish there was some excuse and great complication <laughs> that would give you
0: a favor for
1: a little a pass for it. But yeah, I think it was probably uh, just as simple as that. And um, you know, all the while, my parents, you know, they they just saw in the Word of God, there's great power in prayer. So they just said, "Look, we've done all in our power, and we'll continue." But if anybody, the Bible says, nobody comes. Unless the Lord draws them, so they knew that there would be this work of God in His timing to draw me. So they prayed and they joined to say, "God, have mercy on this kid. You know, he's go- he's gonna hit a brick wall." And they were right, and I did, and uh, in wow. so many ways. But they they but they just said, "Lord, he's in Your hands. Reveal Yourself to him." Please protect him. All the things a parent would pray for their child, they prayed. And then they lived the life. I think they said, you know, if we tell this kid, this is the way to live your life. This is the abundant life. It's the good way. Not perfect, but better. And it's it says in Joshua 1.7, be careful to obey all the laws your servant Moses gave you. Why? So that your life will be boring? No, it says so that you may be successful wherever you go. These commands that God gives us are not to hold us down or constrain us, it's to uh, free us from the ridiculousness of our own hearts going the directions we would go on our own, seeking after these things that don't yield the better life. Those things are there so that it'll go well with you,
0: is what it says. Well, today's big question is, is Jesus boring? And the Bible engages this big question in numerous ways. But in the gospel of john one of the four biographies of jesus life we have jesus makes the fairly audacious statement in john 10 10 where he says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy i have come that they may have life and have it to the full Mm. now Andrew, at your father's memorial service you said that your father loved this verse so what was it about this verse that he loved so much
1: Well, I think there's those places in the Word of God where you just see that he summarizes so much of what he's trying to tell us all the while. You know, there is this enemy in our world, the Bible calls him Satan, and his plans and desires for you are to kill and to destroy you. He's not the only enemy we have. The Bible talks about the world, and that's just the systems of the world that conspire with the other enemy, which is our own flesh, which is that part of you like your very own self has this element and that's something that people really struggle with they'll say you're a good person and just try to find that inner god and the better you and you know and and don't let anyone tell you they have anything wicked inside of you well i don't know about you but i didn't need anyone to convince me that i had something wicked inside of me it's called the flesh the bible talks about it the world the flesh and then the devil he is the one that comes with the intention and if you allow him he will do it to you to steal, to kill, and to destroy your life. But Jesus said, I have come. The reason that I came is that you would have life and have it to the full. And it begins, the reason he came was to live a sinless life, uh, to go to the cross, to die for the forgiveness of our sins, to reconcile us, to make us right, to, to make things right between us and God and correct us and bring a relationship back together despite this, penalty or this reality that would be separated from God uh in this imperfect sinful state but he says that's why I came and paid the penalty that that you could be restored in your relationship live the abundant life in this world Mm -hmm. and for eternity the promise of heaven so there's these great promises in the gospel forgiveness from your past a purpose in this world and a strength to do the things you say you want to do and to refrain from the things you say you hate doing, but you can't stop. That's the power that comes through the gospel. It's the Holy Spirit of God indwelling you. So you're forgiven by the cross, empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, and then your future also secured. So he cares for it all. Uh, And we know about our future security. If we come and um, uh, confess Christ is because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, overcoming death uh, now and for eternity. So that's the gospel in a kind of a summary statement, and every piece should be carefully considered. And the Word of God tells us all these things in mm. a thousand ways. So I urge you to get in the Word of God. Don't, don't let yourself be repeating things you've heard someone say about the Bible unless you've determined it for yourself. Because the Bible mm. is for you. It's, you can understand it. It's not as complicated as you
0: think. So when Jesus says he comes here to give life and have it to the full, does that mean that I'm just going to be wealthy, healthy and happy for the rest of my life?
1: Well, no, but better.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not,
1: not no promises in that regard. But the better life, you know, the full life, the rich life, so that when you find that life will be full of here's a promise no one wants to grab hold of in the Word of God. In the world, you will have tribulation. God Mm -hmm. promises but he says be of good cheer for I have overcome the world the fullness of life that he's talking about is that even in the difficulties that are sure to come in life unavoidable right you know too many Christians to think that becoming a Christian makes you perfect if any one of them have tried to convince you of that go talk to someone else but uh (laughs) But the thing is, it's that he is with you in the trials and tribulations. And he says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you even to the end of the age, he says. So it's really... um, a different kind of a promise than we'd like to think because we want that that's what our flesh wants we just want a trouble-free life we want to have little problems or no problems and we want to have everything we want when we want it we want finances and security but the truth of the matter is that in this fallen world we live in there will be these great trials and tribulations but jesus christ says i will walk with you and strengthen you to follow this path of the the abundant life the full life
0: Yeah. And that's what I've experienced, you know, I, uh, if you think. Was this in contrast to your, you, you were sort of searching for the, the sort of prosperous life, so to speak, before you were, you you accepted Christ, but then you, now you have what a full life, which is perhaps a bit different.
1: Yeah. A full life. Uh, I mean, you know, one thing I'll just pick on an example. Um, you know, one thing that I thought is that after how far I had gone in my life, in my behavior, um, that I would never be able to be married God's way. You know, I had this longing, like, wouldn't you, I mean, some people would say that's a foolish longing, longing, but you can have your own longings. But my longing was, wouldn't it be beautiful to have a marriage relationship, a comrade and a friend for life, a marriage relationship, the way the Bible describes it, where there's faithfulness and kindness and, uh, and a pursuing life together. Uh, but I thought, oh, I would have wanted that, but look at you, look at what you, you've totally destroyed the possibility of that your patterns of bad behavior. Forget about what a Christian might say. Anybody in this world would have looked at my life and my behavior, how I treated relationships and said, you're a pig, you're a disaster. You are so selfish and self-interested and, and this is abusive. And, you know, some people would say, don't say that about yourself. That's too harsh and i'd say no that's absolutely right and i knew it and it was so awful but i was so driven for self-gratification that i i got to this place where i thought it's too late for me and that was one of the lies I like i'll never be able to become a christian even as compelling as it is because mm-hmm. it's just too late but once god finally opened my eyes and i was able to see the kind of love and forgiveness that he was offering um uh, he finally just allowed me to ask for forgiveness, receive it, and he gave me. He says, "I'll give. I'll give you new desires." He says, "I'll give you the desires of your heart." Not meaning whatever your heart desires, I'll give you, but I will hmm. give to you the right desires, and I will also give you the strength to um, move in the direction that those could be accomplished. And you know, once I asked God to forgive me, He forgave me. He began to transform my desires my actions began to follow those desires and the transformation became real. And by God's grace, he brought me to a wonderful woman, Wendy, my wife, and we've been married now for 27 years. And, you know, he's made me faithful to my wife and faithful to my children, not in every action, but in terms of the big stuff, you know, but my desire is to honor her and honor my children and set a good example of faithfulness and like, that's a good life. That's the life I want to live. I could have never lived it in a in myself. And I proved that out every single day of my life. But with mm. God, I, I can see that um, I'm transformed when you decide to walk in the way of Jesus.
0: Mm. Mm. Not perfect. Well, Andrew, yeah, yeah, well, thank you for sharing that. That's wonderful. Um, now, Andrew, your father's life was inspiring in, in many ways and has actually been recorded in a feature length movie film. So how did your father react to a film being made about his life?
1: Well, you know, it, it really wasn't his idea. I mean, he has an autobiography, so he wanted to tell about what he experienced and the people that have helped him in life. But a movie just is a whole other thing. I think it was intimidating and seemed, I mean, almost ridiculous. You know, to mm. mom, mom says it is ridiculous. Ah, that's <laughs> <You know? laughs> she was so embarrassing. But, you know, the people who came up with the plan they said you know we want to honor people that have allowed God to use them that have really sacrificed all but they wanted to tell the story especially of those unlikely people because that's the story that will really compel us to think to ourselves wonder what I could make of my life you know I don't have an aspiration to be Luis Palau or anything like that but I I you know I feel like an underdog I know I'm an unlikely character to make a difference in this world. But God says, I want to give you life and life in abundance. I want your life to count and matter. And I want you to make a difference in this world. And you will make a difference in this world. And that was their desire. So dad was like, okay, as long as you're not trying to like elevate, how ridiculous would it be to try to elevate a person like that and try to make them seem great. But their intention, especially when they said, you know, we don't want to focus on the great things that were accomplished over the many years, but really how... What about the early years? What were those formative realities and principles from from your young life and your parents and as a young boy, um, and they really stop the story right at the point where Dad experienced the great early breakthrough of a big citywide campaign in 1966 in Bogota, Colombia. That's the year I was born. Big year that year. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep. So Palau, the movie, is now screening across Australia and New Zealand on the brand-new streaming platform Wonder. Go to wonder.watch to find out more. Now, Andrew, you actually feature in the film in a very I minor mean, role. Uh, were you happy with how you were depicted um, as a baby? To, I may have to look at
1: it again. I mean, I was going for, I was asking for Brad Pitt. <laughs> there, no, no. It could have been
0: Brad Pitt as a baby, perhaps, or someone a Brad Pitt lookalike, perhaps baby, because you were only as a baby in the film. So were you happy with with, with your role, That you, how you were depicted?
1: Very happy. If they had taken it any further, I probably would have revolted. (laughs) If they tried to show me in my rebellious years, oh, that would have been horrible. But yeah, yeah, it was wonderful. I think mom, mom, oh, she just doesn't like to be depicted or she's a different kind of a person. Dad was charismatic and upfront and full of energy and life of the party. And mom is from Northern Europe and she's reserved and she's very you know, thoughtful and she didn't, she didn't like any upfront stuff. So she doesn't like it to this day, but it's a great movie. Yeah. I hope you'll see it. I hope you'll be greatly encouraged. And then even imagine if even one young person from uh, Australia uh, really resonates and and gets a vision that they could do something uh, no matter how ordinary they are, the more ordinary, the better, by the way.
0: Yes. Yes. So Andrew, is Jesus boring?
1: No he is certainly not (laughs) born i mean uh you know um it seems hard to even answer that question it's it's so much the wrong the wrong emphasis you know i would say jesus is lord he is the great creator god of this universe and um you know, to think that uh, the spirit of God hovered over the face of the earth bef- when it was formless and void and spoke life into existence. You know, when you think of God and Jesus Christ in that way, you know, a question like that, as as much, I don't mean to be dismissive of it, but I hope you can lift your sights to think of what God truly desires for you, not to just take an easier boredom, but to uh, Give you eternal life. Ooh, that's a big one to start with, to think about eternal life. Where will you spend eternity? He's come to answer these deep, deep questions of your life. And how will you spend life between now and then? Where will you find the strength? Is there hopefulness? Can you find peace in this world? Boy, those are the things that he answers in a thousand ways in the Word of God. So if you really want to know if Jesus is boring, I'd say start with the Gospel of John. Read it through slowly, get with the Lord every day, listen to his voice in the word, whatever he says to do, do it, trust him and obey. And it is the adventure of a lifetime. And the Bible says our life is like a vapor. And isn't that true? Life comes and goes so quickly. You just don't want to turn around and say, what have I done with my life? And then find Jesus. Then once you've lived the most boring life
0: of all, come to him now. But let me leave you with some of the Bible's answer to the big question, is Jesus boring? From John 10:10. 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I look forward to you joining us next time for bigger questions. Thanks very much to our guest today, Andrew Palau. Thank you, Rob. God bless you, man. Hi everyone, Rob Martin here, host of Bigger Questions. Thanks for listening to the show. Now last week I mentioned that we were giving away five free copies of Justine Toe's book, Achievement Addiction. Well, I still have two copies left. If you'd like one of these last remaining copies, just send me an email at robert.martin at citybibleforum.org and we'll post one out to you. Now this offer is only available to our Patreon supporters and podcast listeners, so snap up one of the last remaining copies of this free book. So also please remember to like Bigger Questions on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and please share this show with someone you think might benefit from it. Let's get more people exploring the big questions of life. I look forward to you joining us next time and please remember to keep asking the bigger questions.